listening to the Atomic Geeks, a podcast covering movies, TV, comic books, video games, and everything in between. So geeky. Hello out there, and welcome to the Atomic Geeks podcast. I'm your host, John Downs, and I'm drinking crystal clear, refreshing water. Let's see what other Johns are on the podcast with me. Oh, hello, Internet. It's your pal, Christian, from the town of Oakville. And after a long day of trying to drive my Kia Rio through a series of brick walls, I like to hunker down with a nice tall can of Carling Ice. Carling Ice, 5.5% alcohol. It's brewed since 1840, or at least that's what they're telling me. Mmm, taste it. Well, hey, 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 it's John Giovanni. And I've got a watermelon for some reason, but I'm in Toronto and I'm podcasting under the influence because I'm drinking me an, a Garrison Imperial IPA. Well, hello, Downs and everyone else. It's John Holmes here calling in from London. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm having a, a, a Bellhaven's Best out of a tall glass here, and I think that's all I need because I'll just curl up and drink that. Yummy. All right. Well, glad to see everybody participated except for Christian and the John naming device. But uh, I'm a John Nielsen podcasting <laughs> in the it's place. It's too late. It's too late. You've missed Fucked it. it up now, man. <laughs> You're the first to go too. He set you right up. He served it uh, to you. I had a I had a bit rehearsed in my head. I just went <laughs> with it for what, crying out loud. How did Christian figure into that bit? <laughs> no, the bit about the driving through walls. I thought that he was, was too busy thinking running. about that. He couldn't change up the name, right? I can't, yeah. I can't, I can't mess with the routine. I got to keep oh, the routine. a creative bone on this guy's butt. <laughs> you know, might as well just throw it out. Everyone call themselves John. This is the Atomic Geek. <laughs> Let's start now. When John I stomp Nielsen. your foot, you'll call yourself John. <laughs> I think he's talking to you. I, my name is Christian. <laughs> John, take fifty-four. <laughs> Hi, it's Christian. Yeah, sadly, fans, this is the 17th time we've tried this intro, too. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, before we move, move into the John discussion, do we have any... Uh... Geek News. Geek News. Who's got some? Well, I, uh, John Nielsen, <coughs> have, uh, <laughs> have some Geek News. <laughs> Uh, this, uh, I saw this, uh, on, uh, on one of my favorite geek websites, as per usual, Geek Tyrant, and uh, I saw this and I said to myself, well, of course, why not? And apparently Sylvester Stallone is getting back in the ring with Rocky. Yes, back in the ring with the Rocky, uh, but not starring in a movie, but actually, uh, producing a musical based on the first one. Of course, Rocky the Musical, backed up by uh, apparently Ukrainian boxing stars uh, Vladimir and Vitaly Klitschko, um, I guess based on the box office success of Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, which I'm surprised that's a box office success now. Uh, these dudes think to themselves, hey, Rocky, a musical, why the hell not? And I'm curious what you fellas thought. Wasn't Spider-Man a flop? I think people more with the Spider-Man one was, it was like a car wreck. People just wanted to see what the hell it was. I think he's probably going after the model of uh, the producers and all those Mel Brooks movies that have uh, been so, so successful. But Rocky as a musical, uh, this is 
uh, kind of a huge joke, but I guess I can also see it. It's a shame that he's not doing the Rocky series because Rocky <laughs> one really has the, the least of the most recognizable music because we're, it's a shame we're not going to get a, uh, a montage of living in America. Like I was, I, I wanted that, but Rocky one, I mean, what, what songs could you do for that? I'm eating eggs for breakfast. Eggs for breakfast. Oh, it's drinking <laughs> eggs. Drinking drink eggs. eggs. Yeah. Take this, you shot of beef. I love Adrian. I love her. You can't win, you bum. You can't win. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to hear, I uh, see the musical and they get to, like, I hope it's successful and they get to, like, friggin' Rocky Four for crying out loud. I mean, Ivan Drago singing, like, his own soliloquy, you know? I do this for Mother Russia. I must or break has, you. Or he has like a really high, pretty voice at the end. There you go. Mother Russia. Communism, I love you. Quite a note he hits at the end there. I hope, brings out, I hope, she brings a tear to my eye. Rocky Four brought a tear to my eye. I hope the little Russian trainer guy, though, also has a song. The little guy that used to scream like, Sheikov, yeah! <laughs> when Drago would all of a sudden like start going crazy and punching, maybe we'll learn more about his backstory. Yeah. And Adrian has a song. No one cares about me in this movie. For some reason, we have a robot that lives in our house. <laughs> the robot has a song. Cleaning after this kid is so bad. I am Polly's best friend, yet he this does is the, not love this is the me. <laughs> musical, uh, musical <laughs> podcast. That's really where we're going with this. I would That's also why we had the announcement. We want to work towards that. I was going to say this geek news has all been in song. I think that's a first. <laughs> Any excuse to get us to sing? <laughs> Next week's episode, the Atomic Geeks, the musical. The musical. Wow. That might be pretty good. Don't uh, don't throw that out there. That might. Be that's, that's exactly. What I was gonna say. Don't even suggest that, you jerk. <laughs> Funny. Nice. You don't have anything good to say about that whole geek news story. Yeah. yeah so uh, let's see. Was gosh, moving on from that. How can you follow that up? But uh, was there any other geek news? DJ. You can't win, Rock. You can't win. No, I have some. I have some uh, geek news, and it uh, involves DC Comics, but not on the printed or digital page. We're talking about TV news because you know they've stepped up their game to combat Marvel. Uh, DC Entertainment has announced that they've sold a, a script and a pilot to Sci-Fi. That's S Y F Y. That's kind of stupid but uh and it is booster gold or as he's called at the atomic geeks podcast john gold um and so we can look forward to everyone's favorite dan jurgens created character booster gold coming to cable television so guys what do we think about dc getting into the live action television realm and their first one on the docket is Booster Gold. Uh, Downs, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of uh, a lot of the superhero television that I've seen, and so I like sci-fi. I think this is, if it can be done right, I'm kind of excited about something like this, as a matter of fact. Well, I should say at this point, uh, the news that also accompanied this is the people that are involved. 
and uh, I get ready for the tomatoes to be slung at me. Uh, the 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 person that is bringing this to life is a guy named Greg Berlanti. He was one of the showrunners for a long time for Dawson's Creek and one of the uh, guys who had his hands in the Green Lantern script. Oh, and the guy that's going to be the, that is writing the pilot is one of the writers for Warehouse 13. So those are the two dudes that are uh, taking the first crack at uh, this show. So I don't know if that... Uh, well, I'll tell you, I mean, I, I've said here before, where, and a lot of people like Warehouse 13 is a damn fine show. So that would uh, even make me feel better about it. You know, if they do this right, a la some of the crazy shit Smallville was doing at the end, I think there's a roadmap to make a successful superhero television show, and I think sci-fi could do it for sure. I mean, in any case, I'm hope, I hope every night before I go to bed, I say a little prayer and say, I really hope that a good superhero show will come out on television. Uh, I'm really curious about, first of all, Booster Gold is a really interesting pick. It has a, a, definitely a lot of possibilities. But the thing that rings in my head is I wonder how they're going to insert him in relation to the rest of the DC universe. Is he going to acknowledge there are other superheroes that are a lot more successful or prominent or you know, better than he is, as he does his own crime-fighting thing. I'm curious how they're going to do it. Yeah, the, the, if anyone doesn't know about the, the, the backstory for Booster Gold, he's basically from the future, a former football player that got kind of washed up, and he steals some uh, technology and a time bubble and travels back to our time to try to be a superhero here. And he his whole gimmick is... The guy is all after the limelight. He'll be sponsored. I mean, he, he'll do anything to be recognized. So I think that's what you're saying, Christian, that you wonder if he's going to be uh, hamming it up and trying to be uh, recognized as a superhero in comparison to other superheroes, if they'll actually acknowledge that the, uh, the world is populated with other superfolk. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely not a top-tier superhero, but, I mean, top-tier is, I mean, you know, Superman and Batman, but that doesn't mean he's not an interesting character, to say the least, which he definitely is. Well, the thing that's interesting, the, the response to uh, this on, you know, things like Twitter and whatnot has been a little mixed. I've seen some people kind of go, oh, boy, Booster Gold. I mean, what's next? The, you know, challengers of the unknown, yada, yada, yada. But you have to be honest here. If DC as a company, they they, they got to pick their battles. What are the right characters to put on to give the big uh, screen treatment? And are, what are the ones that could support sort of the week to week TV treatment. They're, they're not, they're not going to put Superman on a week to week TV show. I mean, that just doesn't make sense. I, I'm sorry to burst any geek bubbles there. Uh, Booster Gold to me, and I think you expressed this Downs and Christian, I think he's the right character for episodic television. Yeah, I mean, basically a character that doesn't have a lot of kind of like hanging backstory and history is kind of easier to put to television. I mean, in the same regard, it's the same like uh, the Alias series apparently is being developed as well, you know, through the Marvel comics. Again, these are characters, great characters, but they don't uh, have a, such a gigantic freaking uh, footprint in the universe. They can be kind of played with a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to say the same thing. I think that that's how they can get away with doing this away from the movies. It's a good side project to attempt in TV. I think it suits these types of characters better than, as you say, DJ and Christian, you know, the big tier one heroes, right? 
Well, I think that's true. I think people that like uh, the iconic characters, people have a, uh, a connection with and expect sort of bigger things from. I think you have to have almost unassuming, uh, characters to apply them to television. I just don't think a Fantastic Four or even, let's say, a Flash TV series at this point would work. I think you have to take these characters that people don't really have the general audience have kind of any knowledge about that you can kind of flesh out in a uh, TV world, give them their own little, uh, you know, supporting characters, et cetera, et cetera. I, I think maybe in the right hands, to Downs' point, this, this could kind of work. And I, I got to say, I am very interested in watching that Warehouse 13. Mm. It's good, eh, Downs? It is. It is a good show. Especially in that, what I, what I find they did a good job at, is not to go on too much of a tangent here, but the episodicness of it with the warehouse and everything really works, you know? So I think that that's one of the things they've done really well on that show is to keep it, you know, fresh and have a story going. I'm definitely looking forward to Booster Gold because uh, it's a musical as well. <laughs> Nice. Andrew's just waiting, itching to sing again about something. <laughs> Come on, guys. Are we going to sing or what? I've been sitting here writing tunes. Booster Gold, you are a gold. See who the first one is to jump on it, though? Christian. He, if you go back and listen to all our episodes, Christian sings the most, for sure. I sing a and, lot on this show. And DJ. <laughs> I don't think we've ever heard Down sing, except he did rap last week. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. I'm always rapping. And this is the guy who's at singing lessons for crying out loud. He should be schooling all of us for crying out loud. <laughs> Whatever. That wasn't even a joke. If you go back to episode 139, Downs does rap in it. <laughs> <laughs> at one point, I'm pretty sure I think I did a bit of a, like, yes, one line. It wasn't that much. <laughs> Whatever. You're the motherfucker singing, so shut the fuck up, bitch. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Let's, we are limping in to tonight's topic. <laughs> Um, Thanks to Bloom again. You're welcome. <laughs> Taking things. Yes, let's keep things tight. So let's move on to tonight's topic. Um, it is one of our gunpoint <laughs> reviews. Uh, and this time it's one of uh, a group reviews because pretty much all of us have never seen a movie that has some pretty uh, critical acclaim, I guess, at least in terms of a cult movie more, more so. And it's called Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension. So uh, this movie, as I mentioned, has a lot of uh, geek cred, I guess. Uh, at least it seems to be maybe rising. Uh, there was a, an article on io9.com, a website we frequent, as well as, uh, you know, uh, one of our co-hosts and host of the Atomic Geek Sister podcast, Nerd Lunch Podcast, CT is a big fan of this show and wrote an article or two about it, uh, this film, I mean. So, you know, it definitely has this uh, geek cred that I don't, and none of us had seen this, so it was time for one of our gunpoint reviews. That seemed to take a long time to get out. So, um, what I wanted to do first tonight is to go around the table, and I guess in one line or, or uh, so, tell us what you thought of the adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth dimension. Andrew Bloom, one line, what did you think? Uh, it was pretty terrible. All right. Michael DiGiovanni, what did you think? Well, that happened. <laughs> All right. Christian Nielsen? Wow. I I really enjoyed it. Okay, and over to me. Uh, 
I too loved this fucking movie. Um, and I actually just watched it again for the second time, uh, before the podcast and even loved it more. So, all right. Well, that's excellent. So we definitely have some diverse opinions on the podcast. So I guess, um, let's go to Bloom. Uh, you know, you were first. What don't you like about it? Uh, well, I mean, it's hard to pinpoint on that one. I had a hard time keeping my eyes open watching this movie, which is kind of strange because it's very action packed. And I'm not saying that. All of it, like concept and everything is bad. I thought it was kind of hilarious how Buckaroo Banzai is this guy who has so many skills. So, you know, he's a, a surgeon, a rock star. Uh, he drives, a, you know, an experimental drag car, like all this stuff, which is kind of awesome about it. But, I mean, it is obviously a cult classic movie, very low budget, kind of all over the place. Um, and... Uh, it's it's hard to explain what I didn't like about it. it. It didn't really keep my attention very well. All right, okay, Christian. How about you liked it? Do you what do you want to? Do you have any response to that or? Well, I mean, I don't. Know. It, it, it definitely, as far as a movie goes, it's not exactly the most polished piece of work. But I don't know what it is about it. I mean, the, what I can see. I, I purposely tried. I, I have read CT's article about the movie before. And I purposely decided not to read it again because I didn't want to freaking cloud my opinion of the movie after. Because I have seen this movie before a long time ago, and basically I was seeing it again with fresh eyes. And I think one of the things I really liked about it was they're basically their attempt to actually create a mythos about the character in the group and and their following and so on, which I thought was really neat. Um, there's some story elements that I had problems with, but the whole entire concept of the character and the movie itself, I thought was pretty freaking cool. Well, I'm saying the character's neat. I'm just, the the execution is bad. I think anytime you take something from, when is this from, 84 or something like that? Yeah. When you take a, a movie from then and you try to watch it again now, there's always going to be some disconnect because of how things have changed in cinema. But yeah. even this, in 84, probably had some disconnect to the general public. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's not like it's, it's like, I mean, I've, we've seen, a, I'm sure a lot of us have seen a lot of friggin', uh, you know, cult films from the 84, like whatever, you know, uh, what's it, uh, what the hell am I trying to say here? Uh, it's not a trauma film, for it's a bit more polished than that. I don't know. I, I did find it, a lot of it to be really, really good. All right, Dijo, anything to add before I jump in? Because I'm going to defend it pretty heavily. <laughs> well, uh, my thought is, is when I did that, well, that happened. It's not, my thing is mixed. It's not a good movie. You, I mean, I, I, if anyone that's going to come on this and defend that this is great storytelling and fantastic uh, film technique, come on. You're really pushing it, guys. This, it, this is pretty sloppily made. It's pretty hackneyed. But the, where I do appreciate the gonzo-ness of it. Like that's, that's where it was sort of like the, what the fuck is this? That's how I kind of felt a little bit. It's, very comic booky in the sense of the sticking every uh, throwing everything to the wall. Very indie comic, and almost in a way the we, we did on a, a previous gunpoint review that uh, cowboy ninja Viking idea, where yeah. comic book characters have these multifaceted person. Like only in a comic book could a guy be a rock star, a scientist, and a karate legend, you know, like I, I like that element of it. I liked yeah. his traveling bandness of it. I, I liked the the kitschiness to it, but it it is fucked up. I mean, it's pretty weird, and it's not very well executed. 
It, well, yeah, it is fucked up. And before you get on it, Downs, because you'll probably shoot down everything that I've said, it's great to see, uh, you know, Christopher Lloyd and John Lithgow and, and uh, Jeff Goldblum in in a movie, and Peter Weller, of course, in, in a movie and go, hey, look how young they look and look at how neat it is that they're doing this. And it looks like they probably had fun making this movie, but I didn't have as much fun watching it. But that's what the thing, Andrew. It's like when, when seeing that list, I mean, every person that showed up on screen was almost somebody even if they were bit yeah. characters i'm like holy yeah. fuck it's carla's wife from cheers he's in it and Hidea. and it's yeah. a, a tackleberry from or not tackleberry the guy from beverly hills cop too yeah the like there's so many people in it so it's just like that people glom to this meant there was something happening here the way i when as i was watching it it felt like they were making it up as they were going like mm-hmm. that's how it kind of Things kind of were thrown out there that were never touched on again. And hey, there's a watermelon there. Yeah, like exactly. I referenced that in my intro. There's just weird things that I'm sure people have gone back and tried to dissect and say that, oh, wait, that meant something. But it just it, it's one of those just strange films that people have likely poured over that I, I appreciate its bizarreness, but... I also have to acknowledge that it's a pretty bizarre movie and not made very it, well. Yeah, it makes you think that sometimes people will draw more from it, hoping that that's what it means or thinking that they did that stuff on purpose. And I sometimes tend to believe that that stuff was a happy accident. Like if something was in it that seemed poignant or seemed, oh, that was very smart, I think it was probably not on purpose. I, I don't know. I found a lot of this movie was a lot of these guys hoping for the best that there was going to be another movie, that they're creating a foundation for a future series. And I, I kind of almost look at, I guess now, in retrospect of, of all my geek things I've looked at, I appreciated the fact they've built all this kind of, they're building this foundation of things that, you know, the watermelon and other things, the story of the whole organization, that maybe eventually we would find more about it as they made future movies. And I kind of appreciated that a little bit, I guess. People shouldn't do that, though. I, and, and I know, Downs, I know you're chomping at the bit to jump in here, and I apologize. But when you're making a film and you're hoping for second and third films, you should make a good first film first and worry about the rest of it yeah. later. I, I can't argue with that in that point, though. Uh, okay, I'm not sure where to start. You guys have said so many different things that I think you're totally way off base on. Um, you know, I think, for one, this movie was made in 84 for, like, you know, probably little to no money, and these guys weren't uh, all necessarily in it to be cameos. These guys were all in it because they were the actors of the time, a bunch of comedians, I think, trying to write something and pull off this movie that was a, a passion for them or something, you know? Um, I think it's, if you look at something like uh, Fast Times at Bridgemont High and a lot of that stuff, I think this is very in par with movie. I mean, it, it wasn't a big budget movie, but it's, uh, you know, other movies of the time look like this, you know what I mean? Like The Wraith with Charlie Sheen, shit like like that like this is a probably mid-budget movie of that time so i, I think you guys are kind of forgetting that i think no, but if you but yeah, comparing but that, it to fast times at ridgemont high granted fast times at ridgemont high if i recall didn't have a lot of makeup and creature work but that said it's from just a storytelling and uh it's a better movie you know, I mean, like, I... Well, yeah, I, it's, it's it's a film classic. A film classic, this is not. But um, something like Highlander, if you're talking about cult classics, this has everything that's uh, in, in it that has the potential to be a cult classic. Uh, Ice Pirates, those movies aren't great films either, Mike. So when we're looking at this, I, I never looked at this as the godfather. I looked at no, this as I, this fun, kitschy 80s movie, and I think I that... 
This knocks out of the fucking park on that score. And I agree with you, but if you're going to throw out things like Highlander, Highlander's a better movie. I, I, I understand cult classic, but sometimes things achieve cult classic because they are kind of bad. Like, because they're I, weird. Yeah, like something that's a cult yeah, classic exactly. generally didn't kitschy, succeed. Kitschy, uh, you know, like uh, 80s, that is what we're talking about, and that's exactly what this is. If we were to watch Highlander right now, uh, I don't think you're going to think it's as great as a movie as it is, because uh, some of the, as we said with Superman 2, some of these things don't uh, stand up. I think this was a, a great science fiction, comic book all the things that you were kind of saying you don't like about it, I think for the times, this is like groundbreaking. Uh, and as a matter of fact, getting in like some of the trivia and stuff, um, Back to the Future and stuff is like a remnant of this movie. But I, but I said those were the things I liked about it, that it was comic booky. I'm saying what I didn't like about it is it's not – the story isn't told very well. It's, it's not. Forget about – I get that the, 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 the special effects and the, the makeup doesn't look that good and the, the fucking guns don't, don't shoot very well. But it's, it's not a very well-told story in my opinion. Yeah, aside from that, I understand what you're saying, Downs, where, you know, it, it, there wasn't a lot of budget. There wasn't a lot of, uh, I guess, time spent on it, sort of a, a someone's pet project. But instead of giving that, that concession and saying, well, I like it because it's very good for something that was so cheap or very good for something that's so crappy, you have to look at it with the same eye that you would any movie and say, is, do you like this movie? No, it's not a great movie. Uh, but, you know, instead of just saying, well, there's here's my category of movies that were made for less than 12 cents and, you know, big budget films. It, I'm, I, what I'm trying to do is look at them with the same sort of light, which is probably doesn't work. I, I think you guys are forgetting that of the time of this movie was out. This is a precursor to some really great things. If you look at something like uh, El Mariachi from Robert Rodriguez's, is that a bit of all over the place? Uh, are, are are some groundbreaking things a bit messy? Yeah, but that's also kind of what makes them great. You know, I mean, the fact that I think the fact that they put a watermelon in, just like in uh, things like Naked Gun and stuff, they're trying to get laughs and they're going, you know what? Let's just throw a watermelon in. This is a crazy world where this crazy character exists. Let's have a motorcycle going by in the hallway and when i saw those things i laughed i thought that's kind of fu- that's fucking funny i i really the first time i watched this i laughed a lot and i thought this if i was watching this in the 80s i think i'm i, I can't believe i didn't get to see this you know what i mean because i thought this was a great 80s movie if i was having if i was screening movies of the 80s i think this would be one that you'd put up there uh, it's I, it's I, one of it's one of those movies downs that I'm surprised I didn't see. It, I, I always remember as a child when I used to walk around video stores that I would see the box for the uh, Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai. Like this was the first time I'd ever seen this. I was looking forward to it. I'd read the articles that you pointed us to. I think there's a lot to appreciate about this, but I I I, I can look back at other '80s movies that were made. At similar budgets, and I just think this doesn't hold up. I think it's it's strange, uh, and strange doesn't necessarily mean good. Well, I, I don't know. For me personally, I thought uh, I, I, I agree with Dejo that the, maybe the storyline wasn't executed as smoothly as it could have. But I did appreciate the very fact that the storyline was strange because I was actually very interested in seeing where it goes. I mean, I'm not sure we're going to talk about it later. I wasn't happy about the ending. But I mean the the, the 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 richness of the characters and the mythos they're trying to create. But the storyline itself was it still kept me captivated. I wonder where the hell this is going. 
Yeah. Okay. Okay. So let's let's go. Let me try and rein us in, and, and uh, I want to do some trivia, and then maybe we'll talk about some specific things. I have some notes. Um, so since. Uh, I mentioned this earlier. I wanted to mention some of the uh, some trivia things. These aren't necessarily questions, um, but uh, the name flux capacitor that's actually derived from the os- oscillation overthruster, right, from their car. The uh, 88 miles per hour is actually a, a re- reference to um, Team Bonsai 2. I guess it was the on their license plate HB88. Uh, Future Boy is also derived from Monkey Boy, I guess. Um, the Silver Jacket. So I guess, you know, that was a big thing. The director of this movie also directed Big Trouble in Little China or helped arrange that movie. Did we all know that? Did you guys know that? No, no. I mean, I did not. I Like, I, I know John Carpenter did Big Trouble in Little China, but I didn't know he was involved with that. I th- it's interesting that you say that about the flux capacitor and the 88 miles per hour, etc. I did notice that Robert Zemeckis and crew worked clearly drew some inspiration for Back to the Future from uh, from this film. I can see how people would be influenced by this. I mean, it's one of those films that doesn't feel like it relied on studio involvement. It feels very like a, some people had carte blanche and they just kind of went out and did whatever the fuck they felt like and went sci-fi crazy on it, you know? Well, yeah, the car and the... Um not the flux capacitor in this one. What's it called? The over drive thing, whatever it's called. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, sorry, oscillation overthruster. Thank you. The overthruster in this movie even looks like the flux capacitor with the, it had the little triangle thing that I noticed right away when they checked it. The, the truck that they have that they drive, you know, kind of looks a bit like how the DeLorean ended up looking in that movie. And you can see it. And I don't think, a lot of times you don't want to take from, you know, necessarily a great movie. And like you said, this is could be groundbreaking stuff or very good ideas that maybe weren't translated to film right, good and like that great. Uh, okay. That's okay. what I'm saying. I'm saying that I don't think it was translated to film great, although there are some neat ideas in it that you can see why they would use them. Okay, so we've been talking about this story. You guys have definitely, and even Eve Christian said, you know, one of the things I actually appreciate about this movie was that they just put you in place with this character and didn't have to give us a fucking origin story. It was just, this is who he is, and we're going with it, and you'll pick the story up as you go. I, I like that because I immediately knew who this guy was and got who Buckaroo was. I love the shit with the president calling him, you know, and all that shit. Again, I'm, I'm thinking of movies like Top Secret that are off the wall. This isn't in that exactly like that, but I find, I found this funny and, um, I thought the story, I, I, I thought it was pretty, the other thing is I thought the alien shit was pretty good. It was black and white. You know what I mean? If you yeah. think about it, I watched it again. It was the black aliens were chasing the white aliens. If you think about it at the end of the day, this is a movie about <laughs> racism, right? Well, technically it's actually the black versus the red. That's not uh, cast into. <laughs> well, that's what that's, what, that's what they're named, but um, you know, they're, uh, that that was basically their story, you know. And then they they crossed over. Uh, did you did you guys see the cut with the actual um, beginning part where with the narration about who uh, Buckeye's parents uh, were? Yeah, that I watched it on Netflix, and there was this sort of like a long crawl of credits, kind of giving you the backstory as to. He had like uh, he was adopted, or he had one Chinese parent, or Japanese oh, parents, or something. Okay. Yeah, Japanese dad, and we, we've seen Irish different one. movies. We've seen different versions because the extended version actually has uh, the guy uh, Clancy, I think his name is, who was in actually Highlander. 
uh, the guy who played Rawhide, he does yeah. a, a voice over to footage of and starring Jamie Lee Curtis um, of uh, of his story, and you see his father get killed and all this stuff. So, well, I mean, it, uh, spo- interestingly enough, you guys read that in text. That's when, that wasn't the version. I didn't see that version. Yeah, spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! I was really surprised that that freaking one of the characters actually died in that movie. Like, okay, he's dead. Aren't they going to bring him back to life? No. Okay. Anyway, sorry. No, so Downs, going back to your point, I I like the idea too that they had set up uh, Buckaroo almost like a James Bond or an Indiana Jones type character. Is that we didn't need to see start at square one and learn everything about him. I I, I appreciate I the Buckaroo Bonsai character is probably the most redeeming part of this this yeah. whole film to me. I think it's pretty cool. I think what the the problem with me is that it felt like a glorified student film, like that, you know, as I was watching it, it, it felt like a group of people who had these crazy ideas and, uh, you know, a, a, a bunch of just, you know, creative explosion, but just didn't know how to properly bring it to life. Yeah, the Buckaroo Bonsai, like you're saying, DJ, definitely was the the character who you could uh, – you could appreciate the most, and I think it's hilarious where they're right in the middle of this heavy 80s rock tune, and he just stops and goes, is someone not having a good time? <laughs> I, I love that. I thought that was like, that is hilarious. That is very funny. Is, I, I like I that. Mean, I like that part. I'm really surprised, you know, both by both DJ and Andrew, because the 80s came out with a lot of bad movies, and I can remember a lot of them that were a lot worse, I think, than this one for Yeah, but is that, not, is that worthwhile? Is that why you say something's good? Because everything else yeah. is... Well, no, but I'm not saying that, though. But I'm saying, though, I said, I watched this movie, and I didn't think, like, uh, the way you are specifically lambasting it, I didn't think it was that absolutely horrible. I wouldn't but think I, of it But as I'm a, not saying hardly it's the worst movie ever made. We're talking about the movie. So that's what I mean. Like, I... And the difference is too, right? You, if you had watched this as a kid, and I, and I actually mentioned this on Twitter, if, if I had seen this as a kid and then revisited it later, I'd be very curious the difference. And maybe that could be said about a lot of movies that we saw. Maybe if I'd never seen Goonies and watched it now, I don't have that inner child, uh, cheering for this movie. Watching it now, it's not that great. I mean, I, but 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 Christian, just because there's a lot of other bad movies in the '80s doesn't make this good. Like I, yeah, it's not it's not relativity here. We're, but the thing is, like I did, I have seen this movie before when I was very young, and I didn't realize it until I turned it on. And went, oh shit, I've seen this before because I, I know I I, I recognize the opening scenes. Um, the hard thing I think maybe my brain struggles with, other than you know talking and walking at the same time, is. Is it supposed to be funny or is it supposed to be an action sci-fi movie? And uh, I think it, it also it struggles a little bit from that. Like I, it, there are some funny things to it. There is no good action in it, uh, or you know the sci-fi is kind of. Eh. So that's where I think the struggle is for me is I don't know whether I'm supposed to be laughing or not. But I don't think they knew either, Andrew, because there are some very, as Downs has put it. Uh, naked gunny Zucker moments where they go spoofy almost at times. And other times it feels yeah. like they want to be a, let's, if I, because we've called it using air quotes here, 80s sci fi movie. Like it, it's, it's a bit schizophrenic a little bit. But, but okay, so let, but do you think Ice Pirates is not kind of similar? Would you not? No, schizophrenic, uh, uh, sorry, uh, Ice Pirates never 
ever thinks it's more ice pirates was a full out comedy. Like they went into that approach and approached that as a comedy. Oh, yeah, I, don't, I, a- I think this is too. I don't think this is, I think if they wanted to be a real action uh, sci-fi, they would have had better weapons. That's why they had silly little revolvers that, that was the, that was the rub of this movie. You know what I mean? And the fact the, the guy is walking around with no shirt on fucking, uh, Perfect Tommy. There's that. There's no way that's a real science fiction name. I think this is all comedy. I don't. I, I don't think this is trying to be that much of a real science. I, I, I'm not sure that that's true. I think this was. If you look at the people involved in this, Christopher Lloyd. These guys are comedians. You know, Jeff Goldblum. You know, these guys. Th- this wasn't expected to be a real science fiction. Aside from it, it was a comedy science fiction. I think that was the whole point of this movie. It's, I, I, it's a spoof on science fiction. I, I I will argue with you that I don't think. This was necessarily positioned as a sci-fi comedy. I think that's probably how people have now post have watched it feel that. I, I don't think the ingoing, uh, like idea and like when they were making this, that this was a sci-fi comedy. I think Ice Pirates was pretty much like Spaceballs. I mean, they were going into it just doing a wacky comedy. This, I don't think is that. I think there's, comedic tones to it but there are other scenes where this is trying to be a john carpenter sci-fi film mike he stopped singing in the middle of he's he, how can you say that when they like he's a rock star too and he and he's he, he stops singing about this girl and then starts singing the piano it's it's it's, it's totally but, silly but just being eccentric doesn't necessarily make something a comedy Right. Yeah, I, I, I never, I never watched watching this movie. Thought they were actually going for a comedy ceiling. I thought they were still going somewhat serious with inflections of friggin' humorous, like little bits here and there. Because I, I found the movie quite quotable. When I was making notes of the movie, there were funny little bits that I had to write down because I thought they were friggin' hilarious. You know, like uh, with friggin' Jeff Goldblum, he's going like, "So where are your spurs?" You know what I mean? The guy's called Reno. He goes, "What? He's making fun of me now." Things are like, this is, you know, this isn't my planet, monkey boy, or yes on one, no on two. What What did you just say? What does that mean? You know, things like that. Yeah. Well, I thought it was a good com- It was a nice little, uh, little and good sci-fi movie with little bits of like, kind of like left turns here and there with humor, but nothing crazy. No, bad sci-fi movie with some funny parts. In your, uh, I don't know. I, you know, I, I don't know. I think, I think there was lots of, I, I think there was a lot of cool stuff. I think the fact that they're all named John. The, uh, we talked about the motor, uh, motorcycle, watermelon. I thought the president was a silly president. I mentioned Perfect Tommy. He was weird um, looking, the president. He looked like he had super makeup on it. Like it was kind of funny, I guess, that he was had his, he was in a traction thing because his back was messed up, but like, yeah, but there, weird. there was neat story ideas, like basically, uh, the, 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 basically the induction of all these Johns. Back in the whole Grover's Mill, New Jersey, friggin' War of the Worlds thing, I thought that was a cool yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah. Now that was a good. That was a good concept. I agree with that. And I think, I, but I think Andrew and I are not saying that there's not creative parts in this. I I think there's a lot of neat comic booky elements to it. I think what we're saying is. It's not a good movie, though. No, I'm pretty sure you said from the beginning, yeah. I hate this movie and I everything that is about it. You go back to you go back to 11 minutes into this podcast. I've never said that. And, and then we also said we hate Christian. I think that came up. 
But for someone who reads comic books and loves a, a, a TV show about time traveling all over the fucking place and no discernible story, I just I'm shocked that you guys, either of you two, don't really like this as as much. I'm, I because I I literally first I watched it, I thought, holy fuck, that was awesome, and I watched it again with my boys, and they they literally like were like, this looks like uh, Back to the Future, and then when they realized Christopher Lloyd was in it. Xander's like, is this older than uh, Back to the Future? I'm like, yeah. He goes, yeah, you can kind of tell they're similar and stuff like that. I just thought that – I don't know. I thought it was – again, again back I to – pardon me? I said your kids are way smarter than I am. <laughs> uh, if, if, you, if you go back to uh, you know the uh, El Mariachi example – you know, there's a movie that was made for seven thousand dollars, is cheap and has, uh, you know, its problems, but it's still can, a great movie. Can we yeah, talk about I, something that, that I think we we should all agree that is kind of like a bad element of this movie? Sure. Crying sure. What about Ellen Barkin for a crying? Did her character just basically make no fucking sense? Like basically, Buckaroo Bonsai is going like, "I love you because you look like my dead wife." Yeah. Well, again, uh, I, I I think that Penny, I think that, Peggy. Her name was Penny or Peggy. Yeah, yeah one of those. Peggy, Peggy. I, I think I was that fine. was where they were trying to go. We're just in mid-story, you know what I mean? And we gotta, we gotta, you know, have something to continue on and have a love interest. I mean, I, I get that. That sure, that wasn't the most, the best part of it, but it, it made for the funny scene of the fucking bar. I thought that scene was fucking funny. Yeah, but after that, it's like kind of like, wh- why? She wasn't. She was definitely not required for that. Like, this was. It, you could end it after that scene where he's like, "What's your name, Penny?" Okay, Peggy. I'm gonna sing you a little tune. Like that's and that's funny, but she's no longer required. And I think that right there is kind of like a perfect example of what DJ was trying to say. How this is a messy, messy uh, script and 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 shoot. There there are great parts in it, and I think it could just be told better. It would be, I think it's even so far gone that if someone said let's do a redo of this movie, you'd struggle to try and think of what to do to fix it. Like I, I, the, I, I admire how unique this was. It was very watchable. I did not get bored. I know Andrew said he struggled to watching I felt, it. I was tired. I felt. I, sad. I, I, that never happened with me. I. It was more of a what the hell is going on? Like I could not kind of take my eyes off of it. I, 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 I admired the strangeness of it and just how they got away with it. It felt so independent. It felt. Like a group of uh, a group of people having a lot of fun making it, but I, I, you know, Downs, you saying for me liking comic books, and I think that was a jab at uh, Lost at me and stuff like that. I, I, for me, at the end of the day, it just it, it's not that good of a fucking movie. I mean, it's a, it's 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 a bit silly. Yeah, and we're repeating ourselves now. It's the same type thing. Like we've said already. There are some really cool things and some characters that are all right, but it's just not well strung together. And, well, you guys are just wrong. So, (laughs) I mean, I'm not going to disagree that the movie uh, has problems. for. I mean, one of the biggest problems for me was, like, the ending. I was almost like, okay, goodbye, Buckaroo Banzai, and he fucking ejects the ship, and then he realizes, hey – I can fly this thing, and also it has a weapon, and also I can destroy the villain and save the day. It's like, oh, okay. That dude, um, or whatever. I mean, that was kind of like weird. But I mean, things. I mean, I liked 
John Lithgow in this movie, he was barely in it as far as a villain goes. I mean, that's a bad thing. But still, that guy was chewing up the friggin' scenery. I wish we could see more of him. Yeah, I actually, I, John Lithgow was having a fucking ball with this thing. I mean, it, it, it's if you have not watched this movie, I mean, it is pretty, he, he's out there. I mean, you're, you're right. Chewing is, he's eating every scene that oh, he's God. in. Yeah, I uh, I agree, too. I think it was a very abrupt ending. Like, they got in the ships, which I actually have to say, the, the, the special effects work for the ships, spaceships at the end, kind of held up. I didn't mind the work of that. It actually looked pretty good, but it was so quick. I mean, he shot, and bam, it's over. Like, I do agree with that. It was very fast. I think, like, what Christian's saying is a movie like this, the reason it's a cult classic and and... and the reason why people love it is because of its problems and its quirkiness. You know, although DJ and I may be being a bit harsh on it, and like Downs is saying, he loved it. It's because of that that quirkiness that that it's a cult classic. And obviously, there's a, that's the difference between cult classic and a critical acclaimed, critically acclaimed movie. You know, because it wasn't ever great, but people love it for a lot of reasons, and its kitschiness is part of it. I I, I would say one of my favorite things of the entire movie was the end credits. I, I them, them walking to that sort of coordinated dance. I feel like as I was watching it, I'm like, some band has done this as a music video. I feel like, and I can't think of it. And I, uh, I challenge you if uh, fans, if you know this, please post the, uh, the answer to this on our forums. But I feel like some band redid the end credits of this uh, of Buckaroo Banzai as their music video because I was like, if I ever started a band, we would do that. Them just all walking and they're walking in this sort of, I don't know, this under this bridge or something in L.A. Like that's this, that's uh, where they showed the, they they filmed the race scene from Greece for crying out loud. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah but I mean, I, or whatever. I I. I didn't. Wa- I purposely tried not to read trivia about this movie as much as I could because I know Downs would be trying to handling that end of things. But this one little bit I read was that actually the music uh, for that particular end credit scene where they're walking had not been created yet. But they said basically uh, they played the music "Uptown Girl" by uh, Billy Joel and said that that it had the same uh, musical timing to walk to that. <laughs> That's apparently. hilarious. Yeah. The- yeah, I, that I thought was, that really summed up the movie for me. I, I, I loved the, the craziness of that. I thought that was fantastic. And I always loved movies from the 80s or 70s or whatever, from yesteryear, that assumed or threw out, maybe they were even being facetious, uh, that they were, went, see next our sequel. And they, they announced the sequel at the end of the film and it never happens. You know, the, in this one, they throw out that uh, Buckaroo Banzai is going to return to fight the uh, Crime League of America or something. I think that's the sequel announcement. It's it's like that similar thing where at the end of Mel, Blanc, uh, uh, Mel Brooks's History of the World Part 1, that there's going to be a History of the World Part 2. And remember, they actually show se- segments from that film <laughs> at the end. And I remember in, at elementary school that friends of mine would be like, has – History of the World Part Two coming out? Is that coming out? Like we just bought into that, so I I, I liked that. Maybe they thought there was going to be a sequel, or maybe they maybe these guys never thought they did, but they would just plant that seed. 
I'm pretty sure they did the same thing with Remo Williams as well. There was a, they, uh, there they was, thought there was going to be a sequel. With like this Remo one. Williams attacks all the bad guys you've ever seen or something. Like that. I can't remember what it was, but I remember seeing that as well. I think the, I think the biggest problem about this friggin' movie, I mean, personally, after watching this and, and writing about as many pages of notes as I did for any frickin' redo for crying out loud, because I really like this movie, but I think the main problem what, about this movie is that it's a movie. You know, I, mean, I think the mythos that they were trying to build, I think now it would be perfect for a freaking TV series for crying out. Someone just fucking do it because it's an it's just an episodic idea that would be just fucking awesome, I think, in my personal opinion. Yes, I, I, I'll jump in there, too. This idea on a sci fi channel like to loop us back in way back to our geek news. I would totally watch a weekly ep, a weekly series about Buckaroo Banzai and his traveling crew yeah i think that's a great point i think that this lends itself as you say christian you know you you want to it's 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 about the adventures of him and his team right like that's the whole idea of this story and to the whole point of the sequel right like i think they probably had to put that sequel in because it just doesn't work as it's not again back to what we said earlier too it's not like a film you know what i mean this isn't about you know, one defined story. It's about this guy in this band of crazy fucking people he hangs out with. One of them named Perfect Tommy. I just love that every time they'd say, yeah, but you're perfect. <laughs> I thought it was perfect timing. The one time he said, I'm like, his name's perfect timing. Then I realized I was wrong. I know. I like, I really like this movie and I, I really appreciate what they were trying to do. It was a bit clunky, but still, I really enjoyed it regardless. Yeah, I did too. I thought there was a, I thought there was a lot of, maybe there's a lot of good parts to it. Maybe I, I give it maybe too much credit for being an 80s movie, but I think that, you know, if you're out there, if some of our listeners, if they're listening to this thing and, and you love maybe 80s movies, you'd probably like this. I like, I happen to like a lot of maybe bad 80s movies. Like I said, things like The Wraith with Charlie Sheen, a lot of stuff, you know, that aren't great movies, but are kind of cheesy 80s movies. I kind of love that. And this movie I thought was, just that. It just had that perfect 80s. And the funny thing is, looking at the cover of this again now, I remember seeing this too, and I never got it because I never realized it was Peter Weller. I thought it was Buddy from, uh, what was the TV show? Uh, shit, here I go. <laughs> With um, the married couple. <laughs> Ed O'Neill? No. It was like a comedy show, and he's like a, he's like a, Look at the Archie picture. Bunker? The comedy show about the married couple. Archie, Archie, Archie the Bunker? honeymooners? <laughs> ah, fuck. got to narrow it down. There's a couple of those shows, I think. <laughs> Helen Hunt was the wife. Paul Reiser? Mad about you? Paul Reiser. That's who I thought. If Mad you about you. Cover, <laughs> that makes sense. If you look at the cover, which I have in front of me just because I'm looking at my I have tabs open for my notes, um, that is who that – and I never got this movie because I don't Paul like that Paul Reiser guy. is you, Buckaroo Banzai. Yeah, could you imagine how bad that would be? Would be what? Or, There's aliens here? What's going on? Or Jerry Seinfeld <laughs> as Buckaroo Banzai. <laughs> What's the deal with aliens? Why do we have – you know, eighth dimension. I, I'm, I don't even know where the seventh dimension is. <laughs> One of the things I did want to mention is I, I thought we've kind of touched on it with, you know, uh, some of the things. I thought there was a lot of great actors in this movie, you know, th- and again to the comedian thing, but there was, th- there was a lot of good young actors in this movie. Sure, Alan Barkin wasn't that great, but we've already talked about, um, Christopher Lloyd being in here. Uh, you know, I thought there was a lot of good young actors. I thought that was a great cast in this movie, too. Well, like every person in the movie is pretty much somebody you'll recognize, which I think is kind of amazing and a testament to 
the people that circled this project. Well, and I think I think again the point that it was made in the '80s before the, before we would have known necessarily who these some of who these people were. Um, let me throw another couple of trivia things out uh, at you. Peter Weller and John Lithgow were both actually you know huge fans of the movie. Weller was actually wearing used to wear this a uh, black leather jacket with Team Bonsai on it. Wow. Um, another uh, thing. So if, for a year or two after the movie was released in '84, the uh, ILM guys and the uh, Buckaroo Bonsai guys who were over at 20th Century Fox would play pranks on each other, and that would have Lucasfilm stealing the uh, jet car and taking it up to ILM on them. Oh, which is kind of funny. Uh, and the one guy, here's a little uh, musical one out here. You guys might know this. Do you guys know uh, who one of the characters was a musician and pretty kind of famous? Uh, Christian Billy Vera. Billy as Vera. Pinky, as Pinky Carruthers. Right. So his band, Billy Vera and the Beaters, right? So you guys might remember those guys. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Billy Vera was Pinky Carruthers in this movie. I like those names in the freaking movie, you know. Like I'm always a big fan of nicknames, and this, uh, uh, this, this, like you know, New Jersey, Perfect Tommy, Reno, Rawhide. Uh, I, I like that aspect of it as well. This felt like the whole time I was watching this, I, I, I couldn't shake the feeling that Quentin Tarantino must fucking love this movie. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really, I really, I'm really surprised that this movie has not been exploited uh, into some other mediums. I mean, I, it's, I, I've read that it's been put into comic book form a little bit, but I mean, it, I think it, it's, it's, it is a ripe material to bring back somehow, especially television. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And one other trivia thing. So, uh, interestingly enough, maybe one of the reasons uh, you guys say it's shit or crap, but um, also when they, they launched this movie, they they didn't know who to sell it to. So maybe to your point, DJ. So they actually like went to Star Trek conventions and were trying to get people to watch the movie at Star Trek conventions. So that might be one of the reasons maybe it's a little bit underground as well. Huh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. All right, I think that's probably going to do it for our gunpoint... <laughs> review of Buckaroo Banzai. Well, why don't we go around the table one more time, I guess, and uh, just closing thoughts for our listeners. Uh, again, we'll start with you, Andrew Bloom. Closing thoughts on Buckaroo Banzai. Uh, I think, like you said, if you like cheesy 80s movies, uh, this this is will be right up your alley. But not mine. <laughs> All right. DJ? I, I, most of our listeners, I'm assuming you've seen it already before, so you don't need to hear it from me. Uh, it's definitely... A geek property, it's just not one of the good ones. All right. Christian Nielsen? Uh, I'll, I'll admit the storytelling was a little bit sloppy, but I was still interested. But I really uh, love the foundation of a mythos that we were trying to uh, create, and I think it should be continued uh, one way or another. Okay, yeah, and I'll agree. I think uh, this is a great creation of a character in a universe and i agree i would love to see that taken forward um i'm not sure if all of our listeners would have seen this i think some of our listeners maybe aren't as geeky maybe as some of us on the podcast so if you haven't seen this i think as as andrew said and as i said earlier i think if you're into 80s movies and you watch a lot of the stuff this may this made me want to go watch another bunch of 80 movies or maybe uh sorry 80s movies and have an 80 80s movies uh screening of a bunch of old maybe cheesy stuff and uh that just put me in that mood and i thought this was great at doing that so for me it was a check mark or yeah and downs i'll agree too though it's on netflix everybody if you do want to it's streaming so it's very easy to get to now i will completely agree with two points that i think there's life on television for this and man when i watched this it made me think of 
better 80s movies that I wanted to watch, but it put me in an 80s movies kind of mindset. Yeah, yeah, great, great closing point. This is a, this is, this is an 80s movie for sure. And, uh, maybe it's a good one, maybe it's a crappy one. It sounds like it's up to the viewer. All right, why don't we move into our... Atomic Picks. All right, starting with you, Christian Nielsen, what do you got for us this week? I'm pretty sure I haven't, uh, mentioned this as an Atomic Pick before, but I have. Here it is again, and you should listen to what I'm freaking saying for crying out loud uh, uh speaking of netflix on netflix i watched uh the documentary slash comedy special uh the comedians of comedy which basically is a movie uh, following the stand-up comedy tour of such uh comedians you may have heard of like Patton oswalt zach galifianakis brian posein and maria bamford uh who basically went to indie clubs and rock clubs to uh tour uh, their comedy stylings. If you're a big geek nerd and you like comedy, you must watch this. It's been out for a while. I watched it just recently, but watch it if you haven't. The Comedians of Comedy. All right, Michael DiGiovanni. Uh, atomic pick for me this week is I got a chance to see The Muppets, the brand new oh. uh, re- uh, reboot, you could almost say, of the Muppet franchise by Jason Siegel and Nick Stoller and the director from the Flight of the Concords. And I got to say, bravo, gentlemen, for anyone that was worried that giving the keys to the Muppet franchise, this they're in good hands because this was very, very good. Uh, it is definitely a throwback to the Muppets of our youth. I think, I think adults are going to appreciate this probably more than children. It feels like the, the original Muppet movies. And I will say that as the original Muppet trilogy, if there is such a thing. Uh, this is essentially a love letter to, uh, those early Muppet movies, but more specifically to the Muppet show. Once, when you see the movie, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. You, uh, any person that it, it grew up uh, liking these characters, watching them on television, watching them in the movies, you will have a hard time not smiling and enjoying yourself. Let me tell you, when Kermit grabs his banjo and sings The Rainbow Connection, you might start fucking cheering a little bit, a little. Uh, let me tell you, the, uh, a couple of the songs are done by the guy that did the uh, the songs for the Flight of the Concord and their Flight of the Concords and they're really fucking good. They're funny and the Muppets are great in it. I have to say, leave it to the bear, but Fozzie Bear steals every scene he is in. Uh a lot this is a an ode to the Muppets, but there's also some sly uh current humor to it. I all I'm uh, all, the only thing I will throw out to you fans is wait till you see the Muppets. If uh, if my fellow atomic geeks don't laugh at that scene, I'd be very very surprised. The film is also accompanied by a short a short Toy Story film. That's right. There's a 10 minute uh, Toy Story film which basically has the gang interacting with sort of almost if you will Happy Meal characters. Uh, toys and stuff like that. It's also very good. So get yourself out to the theater to see the Muppets. All right. Over to you, Andrew Bloom. Sounds like DJ hated that one. Um, 
I have three very quick uh, atomic picks. One of them actually is just to say thank you to Downs for bringing up Misfits. Um, I down, I mean, I got bought that and spent money on it. It's it's really good. I'm into it a couple of <laughs> into it a little bit. It's uh, I'm really I really think I'm going to enjoy this. Uh, thank you very much for that one. Uh, the other one, Iron Man Extremis, uh, which is one of those uh, moving comic book type shows. It's the, uh, I believe Warren Ellis, um, had a six episode or six, uh, issue comic book. It's, it's kind of an awesome little story. It's worth watching. It's on Netflix. It only takes, uh, you know, about 80 minutes to watch all of them. Um, not fantastic, but really cool, uh, art in it. And it's neat to watch and graphic is all hell. Um, and then my last atomic pick is a bit of a strange one. It is a pub that I went to in Michigan, in Bel Air, Michigan, to be specific, called Shorts. Uh, this pub is awesome. Uh, for those who like uh, beer, they have uh, it's a brew pub, and they have at least 20 different things on tap, and it was fantastic. Food was really good. If you're ever in Bel Air, Michigan, I suggest you go to Shorts. Of course, that's just about the only thing there. All right, and a couple things for me. Uh, just once again, speaking of Misfits, I wasn't going to mention it, but another fantastic episode this week. Uh, season three is just off the fucking charts good. Uh, my other Atomic pick, though, is for something that you may have seen advertised for while you were watching The Walking Dead. It's on AMC. It's called... Hell on Wheels. Uh, this is a cowboy show. Ding, ding. Mike Downs is sold. Uh, this is a really cool show. It's about uh, the building of a railroad track across uh, the states. And this uh, cowboy, he's out looking to right some wrongs that were done to him. Uh, it's on AMC. It's pretty violent. Um, I'm loving it. If you are into cowboys, check out Hell on Wheels. It's only at, like, Episode three. So uh, definitely time to jump on that wagon. Ha, 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 ha. All right. Now, before I wrap up, let's hear what's coming this week on the Nerd Lunch Podcast. Hello, listeners of the Atomic Geeks. Next week, we don the Red Robes for a very special Life Day edition of the Nerd Lunch Podcast. For those that don't know, that means we're going to watch the Star Wars Holiday Special. Check us out on iTunes and nerdlunch.net. Holy cow, that sounds amazing. Um, before I do close this out, we do have to give a uh, shout-out to uh, my man, Sad Hydra. Uh, looks like he updated his iTunes review. Haven't had any iTunes review lately, folks. Uh, get on that. Also, got to say, the forums aren't doing too much. Come on, man. You're sitting around at work doing nothing. You might as well be talking shit with the Atomic Geeks at theatomicgeeks.com slash forums. Um, we, uh, I've talked about iTunes, so I think that's, oh, do we know what's coming up next week? Let's hear from Mike DiGiovanni. Do you know what's going on next week? I certainly do, Mr. Downs. We are going to be talking about cameos. Wow. Cameos. All right. I was thinking he said camel toes for a second. Uh, <laughs> I thought even well. cameo that band that sang that tune back. <laughs> A person's compelled to have to try to make a joke as well. It's like candy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it. Take us home. Buckaroo Banzai on my spaceship. Let's get the fuck out of here. Atomic Peaks, good night. You just listened to another episode of the Atomic Geeks. 
You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and of course, theatomicgeeks.com. Part of the Atomic Geeks Network. Title track by Don't Look Down. Hello, there. Whoops, sorry. That wasn't my uh, it's been a little while. <laughs> it's been nine days. <laughs> <laughs> All right.